I want to thank and welcome everyone um, for listening to another episode of the Charity Charge podcast because I'm sitting here um, at the offices of WellAware with Aaron Wright, who's the development director. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for coming. And we were just, you know, kind of riffing a little bit before we started this, but, you know, um, I've been aware of WellAware um, <laughs> for a little while. Um, when you initially had your um, uh, an event with uh, Whiskey for Water um, a couple of years ago, I was there and got familiar with the mission there, but it was good to reconnect at the Live a Great Story Conference a couple of weeks ago in Austin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what a great conference. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I think, you know, part of it is just the like-mindedness of the Austin community and like having these different touch points of bringing together people that just kind of have the same general outlook on life and, mm-hmm. and mission and all of that stuff. So I'm curious like to share with our audience, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, WellAware and then also how, you know, why you're passionate about it and how you got involved? Mm-hmm. So we're an Austin-based nonprofit focusing on building sustainable clean water systems in East Africa. And so what that means is that we're focusing in Kenya and Tanzania and we are really uh, focused on the long-term empowerment and development of successful communities. So we work primarily in really rural areas where people are walking miles to fetch water and oftentimes that water is not even safe to drink. And so when you empower someone and an entire community with clean water, you're able to change the course of their future, not only for their lifetime, but for generations. And so it's kind of breaking that cycle of poverty and allowing them to thrive and grow. So we see health rates uh, go up exponentially. So watching disease rates like cholera go down, um, watching education rates go up. So it's amazing what happens once clean water becomes available to a community. Really glad that you jumped to the implications or kind of what happens when there's not clean water. Um, And you know, for anyone watching and listening along, um, you know, I've been familiar now learning, you know, more hands-on with you about your work, but familiar just in general um, with organizations like um, Charity Water, um, what Pencils of Promise does, what A Glimmer of Hope does. But on the surface, like not knowing much about your type of work and the need, I always thought it was, well, people are thirsty and they don't have clean water, which clearly is like (laughs) the uh, problem, so to speak. But all these like long-term effects that that it can create and like between education, economy, quality of life, it's really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and another thing that, I mean, it's it's something that you're not aware of it until you're made aware of it. And um, for me, I just remember, You know, I'd heard about the water crisis throughout my life, but it never really had a tangible effect on my life, and so I never really thought much of it. But it wasn't until I found well aware that I really started thinking about, okay, this many people, so nearly a billion people lack clean water, and what does that mean? You know, how do I use water in my daily life? And it's so important to create that awareness because, you know, we're starting to see it more and more. I mean, we had the the Austin boil water notice last year, Mm -hmm. so it's not something anymore that's only affecting kind of places that we we can't connect with Um, and that was crazy it's actually really relevant that you bring that up because that's the closest that I've ever been to holy shit like I can't (laughs) just drink this water that's coming out of the tap I went out first of all like I'm not endorsed by them at all but I now I bought a uh, a Berkey like water filter when it was like high end it's like a $400 water (laughs) filter but now I have that like I'm super prepared so anyone watching this if we have you know any water problems you can come over my apartment I'll give you a clean glass of water um but that was probably, yeah, the closest that I've ever been to yeah. wondering like what it's like. 
So actually, I want to touch on a couple of things that I think are unique about your model, but I want to ask you a question that, that's coming top of mind, which is, can you just talk about why? Like, it's crazy to me in 2019 that, and talks about me being so removed of it and like being really privileged and like fortunate of, of what I have access to. Um, why do a billion people not have access to clean water? What are some of like, is it, not because there's not money. Are there yeah. political things? Are there? Uh, it's all know, kind, all kinds of things. Terrorism, like what is all about? I mean, it's a loaded question, mm -hmm. and to be honest, I don't feel like I even have the expertise to fully explain it. But from what I've seen, it's a lot of politics. It's a lot of, especially in places like so Kenya. Um, there's been a lot of issues with corruption in the government and. Um, they are a very decentralized government, and so they don't have, so the counties hold more power than the national government. At least this is what I've learned. And mm -hmm. so um, I think it goes back to colonialism. I think it goes back to all of these different things. And then also in the water industry in particular, I don't think there's been a ton of innovation over the last um, decade or more, but it's, it's starting to become something that people are talking about on a much more global scale and thinking, how can we create different types of solutions? But I think before that and before maybe, you know, the technological revolution, there really wasn't a good way to address all of these people that are in these remote areas. Interesting. If, when we were getting to know each other, you know, again, a couple weeks ago at the Livers Great Story Conference, and I was asking more about your model. You know, I'm familiar um, with a lot of organizations that are doing international work. They're based in the U.S. You know, set up as a you know EIN, a 501c3 here. They do a lot of the fundraising, but then they deploy the dollars to a third party. And part of what you were telling me that's unique about your model is the sense of being vertically integrated. That mm -hmm. you are well aware is actually implementing and doing the work to make change. You know, boots on the ground. Can you talk a little bit about? Just that model in general, how mm -hmm. it's different than some other nonprofits that are doing international work, and then on a practical level, like the things that you're actually doing with with the fundraising dollars that you receive. Sure. So, we found out really early on in this work that there is great failure in this sector, speci specifically in Africa. Sixty percent of water projects often fail lot of times within the first year and we realized that the reason for that was a lack of technical expertise because a lot of international organizations didn't have technical staff on hand and they were subcontracting sub the money out and it went to you know maybe three organizations before it actually got implemented and if you don't have hydrogeologists if you don't have engineers to look at all of the complexities of every single area so I mean even within Kenya there's so much diversity in terms of um, you know, what the ground looks like, where the aquifer is, how far you need to drill, and all of those complexities that we discovered we needed a team of experts. And so our founder, Sarah Evans, she started building that team from the very beginning. And that's where our model comes in with, we are the ones that are actually doing the work because we have these technical experts. So we do the fundraising, you know, mainly here in Austin, but we have a team in East Africa that manage, manages our projects, manages our communities. And then we have a slew of volunteers who give their expertise um, in engineering to help build sustainable projects. And so um, on the fundraising side, you know, we're based here in Austin and we have a lot of different campaigns. Most of our Fundraising comes from individual donors and peer-to-peer -peer fundraising campaigns. We have what's called the shower strike. And that's Talk actually about that because <laughs> that's actually where um, 
I think you're doing something extremely innovative. Yeah. You know, I obviously interact with a lot of nonprofits locally here, but even more so n nationwide. And um, I think it's really incredible when they're able to create almost like a brand for themselves and like a thematic theme to, mm -hmm. to how they fundraise. Yeah, talk to us about the shower strike. It's pretty cool. So it is exactly what it sounds like. And it's actually how we fundraise for our very first water project, which we're coming up on the anniversary of 10 years uh, this January. It's so amazing. Um, Shower Strike was a bunch of crazy people sitting around thinking, how are we going to raise money for our first well? So this was back before WellAware had you know, an office, it was back before any of that. And someone threw out the idea, why don't we just stop showering until people give us money? And it worked. So they <laughs> raised more than $20,000 in that first week. And that was enough to implement that first water project. So since then, this will be 2020 will be the 11th or 12th annual and it has really changed the course of history for tons of people in east africa so it's really based on a peer-to-peer -peer campaign so it's someone you know you or i that um, commits to raising x amount of funds you know whatever your personal goal is and then you can shower not shower we don't care what you do some people swim they get creative they take bucket baths but it's all about raising awareness and raising funds for the systems that are going to change lives and when you I'm curious like in your opinion like being um, development director here um, knowing that that is such um, something that you've had a lot of success with but that's also unique to your brand um, what are other fundraising campaigns that you do throughout the year? Another big campaign of ours is our recurring giving program. So the, what, that's what we call the village. And that by far is one of our most successful other sources of funding because it really, it gives us that concrete um, planning mechanism to be able to scale our work because we have that revenue that is existing. And then that's also in turn, uh, community of people who are rallied around this cause and who, who can be ambassadors. So that's our, our second biggest campaign. Beyond that, we and do And walk events. me through that. So do people put a card on file or something mm -hmm. that they are donating a certain amount each month? How does yeah, that work? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's giving us your card, um, pledging a certain amount. So you know, I think our average hovers around $25 a month, but it can be anywhere from 10 to $500 a month. It's you know whatever anyone is ca capable of giving. And so it's just something that happens, that runs automatically through their card. And what just, I'm curious, like if you were knowing now that you're doing these, those two main things, which I think is great. It's like you have um, one week a year where you're gonna raise a lot of money and you're gonna really build your brand around that, which is great. And then you also are contrasting it with this reoccurring giving. Like those mm -hmm. two things seem to be like really phenomenal anchors mm -hmm. to be able to like have sustainable revenue and have something also to plan for, but not always. I mean, a lot of organizations, um, you know, experience massive donor fatigue because mm -hmm. they're just like every week asking, give us money, give us money, give us money, instead of figuring out like unique ways to to bring in revenue. It's pretty yeah. cool actually. I really have to say that, like, sincerely, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, I appreciate that. What, knowing that, I mean, I, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a loaded question, but I mean, if you were, you know, if I was instead coming to you and I said, hey, you know, Aaron, um, I'm really passionate about a specific cause, um, I just registered, I got all my paperwork to start my nonprofit. Like, what advice would you give to someone that's just starting a nonprofit that knows like nothing about development or fundraising? Oh man, something that I think is an ongoing challenge even for us is segmentation of donors. So, you know, starting, 
starting early out, looking at what drives your people to your cause and how can you give them the pieces that they need to feel engaged. And I think donor engagement and cultivation is, I mean, that's something that's always on everyone's minds, but having a process for that set up from the very beginning I mean, I've, I haven't started nonprofits, so I don't feel like I, I have the expertise for that, but I think that's something that I even encounter as a 10-year-old nonprofit, so. It's actually super relevant that you bring that up. I just had two episodes ago now, uh, a woman that's actually an entrepreneur in Austin, um, Catherine Engelhart Kronk, she started something called Mission Box, but their mm -hmm. whole, like, the problem that they're solving is basically engagement for nonprofits. And it made me think not to, I could say it in a lot of different ways, but there are so many organizations that we even that, that we work with. They're like direct clients of ours that I have like literally in my phone, you know, and I'll like text with the executive director, or the CFO, whoever it is. And then it's after the fact, I'll see in like their newsletter that they had some event or something that I could have gone to. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how the hell did their team like not make me aware of that? And it's not just me yeah. like in an ego way, but I'm like, if I'm not even familiar with it and like they're a client of ours, imagine what they're missing out on, all these people that, you know, really are passionate and care about the organization. So oh, totally. it's interesting you talk about the engagement. I would venture to say piece. that one of the most, one of the biggest challenges in the nonprofit, se nonprofit sector in general is data. Because, mm. you know, typically we are on antiquated systems. We don't have a ton of funds to pay for, you know, really high CRMs. But then in the reverse, we're not able to reach people effectively, like you not getting the event invite. I'm sure yeah. we have tons of that because we just simply don't have the data that's easily accessible for us to utilize. What are the, what, just right now though, on a practical basis, what are some of the tools that you're using from like an engagement yeah. or like fundraising development perspective? So our like main- it, And it's kind of giving you the perspective of like a not, someone sure. who's running nonprofits listening to this and just wondering, well, what do you guys use behind the scenes? Sure, uh, like brands or, just types of technologies. Any, yeah, anything comes. Yeah, up. well, we use our CRM. Mm -hmm. I think that's obviously one of the most important um, fundamentals because everything else can flow into that. But beyond that, we use an email marketing service, and um, we have an event software specifically. So for our upcom upcoming gala, um, we're using it for everything from ticketing to our silent auction to even our live auction. And so it's one place for people to go to have an experience with us at this gala. And we that's one cause, right? One cause, yes. Awesome, cool. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I hopped on to see the details. We, yeah. I think we just put in, it literally went out today. If you're not on it, we'll add you to our newsletter. Okay. Speaking of engagement, but we put in our newsletter today. Oh, yes, I saw that. Oh, so you get <laughs> the newsletter? Uh-huh. Yes. Well, so no, I didn't get it, oh. but your your colleague forwarded it to me, so. Yes. <laughs> Grant, great job. Hell yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, so that's that's actually really funny that you say it. No, and like huge shout out to Grant who, who runs all of our, you know, content and social media and everything because literally yesterday, we've started to do more as we picked up our newsletter and stuff. I'm like... If you send me an event or other groups, I'm like, let's just, let's get the word out there. Like mm -hmm. whatever we can do, even if it's like a little touch point, it's like, let's just do it. But I was saying to Grant, I'm like, we were literally talking about this yesterday. I was like, please, when these people are featured, forward it to them to like close the loop. Because <laughs> I don't know if you were on it and when I forwarded it to him, I don't know if I copied you, but yeah. you know, you'll send it to me or someone will send it to me and then I'll forward it to Grant to add to the newsletter and then, you know, he closes the loop. So. And then like two months later, I'm like, did that ever go out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's so awesome. Literally we were talking, cause yeah. it's funny, like this challenge you can see right now, I'm like 
getting, you know, I'm really, you're getting me really excited about this because, you know, we're constantly like just running what we're doing at Charity Charge. We're, we've got to be way better at our engagement loops and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, and that's like just putting in these little like systems and processes that sometimes it's software, right? Mm -hmm. And things that can drive it and all, but it's also, I think a lot of times like your tact and communication that you're doing that's not necessarily scalable, mm -hmm. like having a team member like manually forward it to like have the, the touch point and all that. Mm -hmm. I'm going through right now, like we're gonna start, I mean like holiday cards. I'm like, oh man, I got a lot, I gotta like <laughs> sign this year and all, but that's like a cool yeah. touch point. And you know, we could just send an end of year email that's a thank you, but I'm like, why not drop a, a nice right. card in the mail? Well, know? and it has to be, I mean, to your point, it takes so much more strategy um, the data helps, but you also have to have the strategy of, are we making enough thank you um, mm. touches to our donors instead of just constantly asking them for money? And it's a hard balance, especially when you're a small nonprofit, you're strapped for cash and you, you have goals to meet. Yeah, so talk to us about that. What are your goals for um, you know, rounding out, I guess, 2020, 2021? Like, just anything you can share that's like interesting about like, you know, your impact, yeah. You know, just in general. Well, yeah. that's a great question. Um, I mean, for right now, you know, our vision is on our gala in, in end of year, as I imagine everyone's is, but we are sur hope, hoping to surpass $1 million in revenue this year. That's um, awesome. So to be determined if yep. that happens. And then from there, our major milestones to continue to grow after that are corporate partnerships. And I know you talk a lot about um, the kind of cross-sector collaboration, and that's something that we have always had in the past to some extent, but we haven't had a big structure. So in terms of like my fundraising goals, um, I don't have, you know, hard hard goals on the pro program side. That's our, you know, ED who's handling that. But on my fundraising goals, it's really amplifying corporate donors and empowering them to make a difference with us because we've had, I mean, that's how change is going to be made. And so we're really ro making a more robust structure for that so that we can have people that get engaged with the water crisis and show them that they can actually make a difference no matter what they have. So um, company-wide shower yeah. strikes. Exa no, we've actually yeah. had that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's so cool. How do you w walk someone through that? I mean, cause I think a lot of times, um, you know, people that are in development and nonprofits, um, naturally they might start, you know, again, with individuals like board members and kind mm -hmm. of that peer to peer aspect. Um, when you're trying to build um, relationships with companies, is that through a lot of um, networking and then like kind of understanding like what that company's ethos all about and like sharing with them your work and your mission and seeing if there's, you know, if it resonates? How are you going about doing that on a practical level? I mean, you kind of hit it on the head. Um, it's a lot of first identifying the types of companies that would be interested. So for us, you know, natural fits are beverage companies mm. or anything that sources from East Africa, for instance. Yeah, Richard's, Richard's Rainwater. Rainwater. So these yeah. are these Sorry, are an you know awesome what? partner of ours. We'll, we'll actually give them a proper <laughs> yeah. shot here. No, these guys are awesome. They do a lot for the Austin community beyond well aware. Yes. And so looking at, you know, who is a natural fit because it's not worth our time. I actually <laughs> approve. I'm a huge sparkling water fan. Their stuff's like great. It? No, it really is, you know. Have you had it before? I yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what's also awesome is branding that has alliterations. I was gonna mm -hmm. say this before about Shower Strike, uh -huh. Richard's Rainwater, Charity Charge. Oh my gosh. Blockbuster. Synergy. Dirt Devil, uh -huh. Coca-Cola, <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. Krispy Kreme. It's literally like 
the number one thing, if you were gonna name a company or a nonprofit, uh -huh. you use alliteration. Yeah. Or a thematic theme, shower strike. I mean, uh -huh. that just drills in your head. You can't forget it. Yeah. It's really how the mind, it's, it's, we originally had worked, they, and they were, had volunteered and did it gratis because they're just incredible people. Um, I worked with uh, Laura Reese and Al Reese that, um, they've written like 15 books, they're like world renowned, like marketing and branding and positioning experts. They were the ones that named, or Laura rather, came up with the name Charity Charge. And oh, a lot really? Of their, a lot of their whole, um, one of their core like principles around like naming and branding and stuff is just alliteration uh -huh. and stuff. So whenever I see it, I get excited about it. Yeah, oh, me that's too. your rainwater. It's great. That's awesome. So they're one of your, you got me on a tangent there, sorry. They're, they're <laughs> one of your, uh, they're one of your uh, corporate supporters, uh -huh. which is great. So, so you know, going back to really identifying who's a fit, and then from there, at least for us, we always start with, you know, can we come have a conversation about how we could collaborate, or can we present to your organization just to educate people about the water crisis and what we're doing? Um, so that's that's a good way to build uh, build a relationship because that's that's what it has to look like. Um, you know, corporations are you know, people, so. I want to ask you a really um, a kind of blunt question. Sure. And, uh, you know, hope it's like, okay, and maybe I'm hedging even too much, but had, prior to working at Weller, had you always worked in the nonprofit space or had you worked, have you ever worked for a for-profit company? I have worked for a for, so um, thank you for that question. Yeah. So I, I went to business school at UT and then I found myself in a big tech firm um, in the for-profit space. Which, which one? Jamalto. Yes, 100%. You know? Oh yes, of now course, you're in cards. Yeah, of course well, you no, know there we go. All right, that's all coming back to me. Yeah. So here's kind of my question that I'm curious about, which is, you know, there's this whole aspect of um, it being really tough to candidly like build relationships or sell when you have a for-profit company. There's a lot of stigma around like cold calling, it's hard to do, mm -hmm. or, you know, I have candidly like vendors external vendors that see me as like the CEO and like cold call me all the time. Like, do you need a new CRM? Like, do you need a phone system? Mm -hmm. Do you need, you know, and I'm just like, I'm good. Thank you very much. You know, a lot of the times it's like hard to break yeah. through. I'm curious, like, what do you feel is the reception when the nonprofit goes to build like a relationship with the corporation? Is it like warmly received or usually like using, using is the wrong word, but leveraging maybe like a board member that knows someone that owns a company? How are you going about like getting in the door to really yeah. allow them to be receptive? That's a good question. I think, I mean, warm connections definitely are the most, um, the most beneficial and the ones that are going to be met with the most collaborative efforts and positive attitude. But, you know, we also do kind of cold reach outs too. But I think the difference is, you know, for us, we have such a great cause that it's, so much easier than a for-profit because it's like, yeah, of course, I'll get behind this. It's amazing. But I mean, there are also times that people are like, no, I, you know, that's not in our giving goals. So, and that's okay because, you know, a technology firm, they're probably going to invest in STEM, but mm. we, you know, so water's not, that's why it makes so much sense. Yeah. For like Richard yeah. Rainwater's like, yeah. yeah, the connection is there. And it's almost in a way, it's like an outsourced, um, CSR for them or something. I mean, they don't have to necessarily come up with their own like giving program. They can just work with you. Like you're already doing amazing work and already have the resources. Like we talked about the boots on the ground and like the know-how. So 
it's just like an efficient way for them to yeah. do, you know, they can focus on water, which like bottling yeah. great sparkling water and selling that. And then, you know, the, the, they can leverage your resources for the well, you know, th- charitable initiatives. I think what's really important for a lot of companies is to have something tangible to report back to their stakeholders. So being able to provide them with the media, with the impact stories, with the statistics so that they can show, okay, this $5,000 sponsorship, this resulted in X, Y, and Z. And if anyone's interested, we're going to wrap, but you can find you at wellaware. Wellawareworld.org. And we'll link to it and all. I only got rushed there. Are we good? Okay, cool. Well, awesome. thank you so much yeah. for being on the podcast. Um, I really, it's just like so cool what you guys are doing. I really well, mean thank it. Thank you. Yeah, and, and thanks awesome. for having us. Yeah, and it I really think, I really think the you. vertical integration is key. Yeah. And doing. so, I mean, did we talk about Wellbeyond? No, but we're ha- we can for sure. So, I just, I just kept going. so you're okay, keep going. Cool. I thought maybe we only had. We'll do your after thing, but I, I you know, thirty minute clip, blah blah blah. But we'll do a quick pause and we can easily clip it in. Now we're gonna go to the restroom. Enjoy. Okay. Make this your after time. You're okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. No, well, t- t- uh, tell me the name of it again. So, well beyond. Okay. Tell me about well beyond. So, well aware, uh, because we develop such a highly technical expertise, and we are able to redefine the way that sustainability looks with our water projects, meaning instead of you know half of our projects failing, 100% of ours are successful because we developed a really, really effective technical model as well as a really effective community model. And so over the years, we've had nonprofits coming to us asking for advice on how they can make their water projects more successful. And so Sarah, our founder, decided to create a for-profit sister company to WellAware to do just that, to be able to consult other NGOs on water project sustainability and processes and design so that we can further scale our model. And so now actually Well Beyond is our technical team. So it's now able to help us scale even more. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that the need for what you're doing, like the problem is so vast when you talk about a billion people lacking access to clean water, mm-hmm. um, that it's really cool that you're figuring out ways to scale Yeah, the know-how and the knowledge. And it's smart too. I mean, um, in a sense, you're able to make more impact, you're able to drive more revenue, um, and you're not having necessarily an ego about it. I think a lot of times um, what's challenging, it's hard to do, like even though nonprofits are very mission driven. I think that people, and what I always have to remind myself is like, people are people and there's like core human tendencies and ego is just a real thing, it just is. And I see oftentimes on one hand, a lot of collaboration amongst nonprofits and like a real sincere passion for the mission. But I also see it a lot in like different cities and communities across the country of like, one animal shelter is like out to bash the other animal shelter and like one, you know, nonprofit that runs food kitchens is like, feels that like the other food kitchen is like stealing their donors and all of this. And sometimes I'm just like, <laughs> we're, you're all in it together. You yeah. know, let's like figure out ways. But I think what you guys have done, which is really great is able to help those other organizations, but but use that in a way to create a revenue stream for yourself. It's just, mm-hmm. it's very innovative. It's very smart. 
Well, strategically. and it's like, it goes back to cooperation. I mean, mm. and it's, it's that hefty goal of 1 billion. So we're not going to be able to get there by one, you know, one organization isn't going to get us there. It's going to be the collaborative efforts of everyone. And so we have to make sure that we're cooperating, but also there has to be some type of accountability as well of if things are not effective, that we are making sure that we're having a conversation about that. So it's, it, I don't know, I always come up with cooperation when I think of nonprofits and just like, we ki we're kind of competing, but we're not competing, but we're cooperating. <laughs> I love that term. I've never heard it before. Oh my gosh. I'm always <laughs> learning new stuff. I this definitely is, don't think I made it up, but. This is really incredible. As far as I'm concerned, you made it up. Okay, I, I'll take the credit. Cooperation. <laughs> Wow, that's so awesome. I know we kind of were getting rushed. We thought maybe the camera was rushing off or anything, but um, you know, for people that have been listening, listening along, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes and everything, but um, if you're interested in learning more, uh, their website's wellawareworld.org. Um, you can also follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wellawareworld. Yes. I don't always have such a beautiful uh, poster to be able to reference. So a lot of yeah. times I have to ask the guests what to do, but did, <laughs> did I nail it? Yeah, you nailed it. That's great. And then also, um, you want to talk about, um, I know we referenced a little bit, but what's happening in uh, December? Absolutely. So it is our 10 year anniversary of our very first water project. And as a result, we are celebrating here in Austin at the South Congress Hotel on Saturday, December 7th. So it's our winter waterland gala. And if you're in Austin, you're interested, you want to come hang out, learn more about the mission, meet people that are passionate about this cause, I encourage you to come join us. It's going to be a good party. We'll also have the Peterson Brothers performing. If you've heard of them, they're awesome. So it's going to be a really impactful but also fun night. I love it. Yeah. It's such a great venue. Oh, it is. It yeah. I love it. The best there. Well, that's wonderful. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being on our podcast at Charity Charge. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and thank you to everyone that continues to listen along. This is such a joy to be able to do episode after episode of, uh, of our podcast and we couldn't do it without your support and listening. So thank you so much.